Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guests in New York are Mort Marcus and Ira Bernstein, co-presidents of Debmar Mercury. Debmar Mercury is now Lionsgate's syndication arm. Mort and Ira are industry veterans who know the content licensing business inside and out. They've been partners since 2003, when they were brought together by the mission to sell South Park into broadcast syndication. Debmar Mercury today is active in first-run syndication as the home of daytime TV staples, including The Wendy Williams Show and Family Feud. This fall, they're taking two big swings with the launch of a daily talk show hosted by Nick Cannon and a magazine show, Central Avenue, from producer Will Packer. As always with Morton Ira, it's a lively discussion about the business of selling television shows and taking the pulse of the broadcast TV landscape in big cities and the heartland. It's a fun and candid conversation from the leaders of one of the most successful TV startup businesses of the past 15 years. Mort Marcus and Ira Bernstein of Debmar Mercury, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Good Happy to see you. be here. <laughs> this is a big year for Debmar Mercury. You're taking two big swings in the fall in first-run syndication. You've got a talk show with Nick Cannon, who is pretty much all over the airwaves these days. And you also have an interesting magazine-type show called Central Avenue from producer Will Packer. Let's talk about what it is about this particular year that you see, this coming fall, that you see opportunity. And let's talk about the first-run syndication marketplace, because it's been kind of a sleepy environment for the last couple of years. But you and other companies in the past 12 months have started to really bring some big name and some big talents out. What is it that you're (coughs) seeing in first-run these days? Well, it is a big year for us, but it's not... We didn't time it to be. In other words, I think we're a little bit like sometimes if you have the right show, then you bring it out. So in this case, we were lucky enough to find Nick, um, and then we've been working on stuff with Will Packer. So it just it just coincides with the fact that they're coming out at the same time. We, wouldn't, we, we weren't saying, oh, let's put two shows on um, in the fall of 20, but... Um, Look, we're just we're excited to have Nick from a standpoint that a, a lot of times people do talk shows. Not everybody, but a lot of times they do. When you get some of the big names, they'll do talk shows when they're on the the downside of their career. Maybe they can no longer get a movie as often or a TV role as often, and they kind of want to then come into the marketplace. Yeah, I've always wanted to do a talk show. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> Nick. He's on the up in his career. So we're really excited about it. I think the issue is it's all kind con- I mean, the bigger question is it was content-driven. And we're developing stuff all the time. So I think when Nick substituted for Wendy, which was a year ago now, we were always developing shows, but we literally saw him do the show, and we kind of looked at each other and said, oh, my God, he looks like he's been doing this for 20 years. It's like it's natural. He's not nervous. He's fun. He's exciting. You want to listen to him? You want to see him again tomorrow? And so that's what started that conversation. It wasn't, we got to have a new talk show for Fall 20. And then in the case of Central Avenue, we'd been working with Will for a couple of years, developing a number of different things. This one sort of bubbled to the top at this moment. We tested it with Fox. It did really well. But that was an example of the market actually was a little bit crowded, which is why we moved to do a weekend hour. 
So we kind of backed into the distribution form of that show because the market was crowded. But again, it was driven by the content that we happened to have created at that moment in time, not by, we know <coughs> we need a show for Saturday night at 11 or 7 o'clock. It was driven by the content. And while Nick is a, um, call it a, a live, it may not be live, but a, a li- effect, effectively a live daily um, one-hour talk show, Central Avenue was, was driven by what Ira said. We had a, a lot of, spent a lot of time with Will Packer trying to come up with ideas. We wanted to do something with him. And we kind of looked at two things. One, because there's no, or so few sitcoms coming off the off of a network that stations can run, most of the stations, certainly the Fox, CW, and MyNet stations, make most of their money selling airing older sitcoms from 6 to 8 o'clock at night like Friends or Two and a Half Men or something like that. That's the sweet spot for ratings and barter advertising. And the most amount of money that you can make. Right. When most people are watching TV. And those stations make a huge percentage of their profit from 6 to 8 o'clock at night. And there just aren't any new sitcoms to buy. So it's waning. It's been waning for years. The hits are farther and farther between. And so what's happened is you start to look out into the 20, 21, 22 years, not 22 years away, but 2022. Right. <laughs> there's, there's even less. And so plus with the streaming services taking Friends and The Office and those things, and not even sure if they're going to let them be on or maybe they will, but the ratings will be lower. What are these stations going to run? And so when you start looking at availability from 6 to 8 o'clock, we believe that the stations are going to be much more in the business of looking at brand new original first-run productions for those time periods. Central Avenue was made on the theory that Entertainment Tonight and Inside Edition have gotten really old and, 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 and honestly too white as a, as a business, too white, because the marketplace that's watching TV is a much more multicultural viewer. So we set out to, and will set out to make something that would address the needs of the Entertainment Tonight Inside Editions, address those people who want to watch that, but take a little more multicultural point of view. Aimed to air from 6 to 8 o'clock. We just thought it was a little too crowded in 20, and that's why we're going to do it as a a once-a-week show. And hopefully it'll work, and then we'll bring it out as a five-day-week show later. And the one other show we're doing, which we haven't mentioned, but we're bringing out, we've already sold it, is Schitt's Creek. And that's not first run. The rerun rights the, to the rerun rights to that. That's sort of an. But that's going to run in the sitcoms. same spots, and that's in those in those same spots. And we've already we had already sold that. But but that's kind of an interesting show that has gotten ridiculous number of awards and accolades all over the place. They they keep getting them in their sixth season, and we're really excited about that one too. And that's you know on Fox stations and clear throughout the country. That's a show that kind of came to prominence in its third season off of Netflix meaning it was running on POP, the cable network, and it's produced out of Canada for CBC. Right. And all of a sudden, the show became this hot thing a few years ago. We acquired the rights, and now it's in its sixth season, going into its sixth season. And, and, you know, we're, we're, and we're all living in this world where the TV business is changing so much, so nobody really knows. There's, not a, there's very few <clears throat> shows that have been sold coming off of a streaming platform into a free platform, we, 
we're actually the only ones who've ever sold a original streaming show um, in, 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 on Netflix, which was um, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman. We sold it to Comedy Central. This one, while it's, it's it, there's been shows sold off of cable, which is what Pop is, but Pop is such a small network that almost nobody watched it on Pop, and they all watched it on Netflix. And so now we're going to syndicate this. It's coming off Pop, but really it's kind of coming off Netflix. So the question is... It's, it's know, coming off how's Pop, it gonna but made do? aware by Netflix. <laughs> right, so, and by the way, I mean, it, you know, we're, we're realist about this. We think Schitt's Creek is... Absolutely hysterically funny, amazing show. You think it, it's the kind of show that should have legs well, in it's, syndication? Well, it's, it's a little quirky. I mean, it's a little quirky than, say, a two and a half matters. It's a, not quite a straight down the middle shot, but it's legit funny. But it's coming off Netflix. So, is that our. The, people are just finding out about it, so we're hoping it catches fire. But, you know, I think, like I said, I think we're all living in a different time these days. That uh, if, if this was, you know, 30 years ago and mm-hmm. Schitt's Creek was coming off of CBS and it's as good as it is, well, this would be a huge deal. But because it's popped to Netflix, I mean, we don't know the stations and nobody really knows what the value of the proposition is. But we're all going to try it. You're going to find out. Yeah. yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. When you sit and talk to a station manager or a station group buyer and you talk about, you know, well, this is coming off of Netflix or this is coming, like, what kind of questions do they ask you? Because this, it seems like this is all such a world of unknowns. Well, it literally, it literally goes back to our roots, which is we started the company with, with South Park. And so the only thing you can say, because this isn't coming off of, you know, it's not an ABC sitcom that you can say, God, if it breaks a 1.7 rating and it does that for three years, it's going to do this in syndication. This is coming off a of pop, which has really low ratings, but it's the highest rated show that they have by a wide margin. Just like 15 years ago or 18 years ago, whatever, with South Park, we were sitting there saying, I still remember the presentation because that's how we started the company. It was a 365% index to the regular rating on Comedy Central. So when something outperforms whatever its environment is, to that great an extent, we just think you have something. It just means that three and a half times the amount of people that normally watch watch this. You know, people come so to the set come for this show. Find it. Right, they come to find it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we know that it has that ability to it, but it is also on Netflix, so non-exclusively. So, so you could say, yeah, I'm just going to watch this and I'll watch them all tonight. I don't mean, but but people watch TV differently, you know. So the people that are watching Channel Five or Channel Eleven. Um, you know, in this market in New York, are are watching TV passively. They're not choosing to on demand. They may say tonight after dinner, my wife and I are going to sit down and we're going to put Netflix on and watch um, <coughs> some show they're going to watch. Right, but right now I'm home and I'm flicking around the channels and I've stopped at you know TMZ or I'm watching Shit's Creek or I'm. And that's how they watch. So it's so. Hopefully they'll they'll watch naturally like that. The people that watch TV watch that way, and hopefully it'll coincide nicely, even though it's on Netflix. By the way, Friends has been on Netflix. It's been on broadcast. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it is it a different viewer? I mean, no, nobody knows. Nobody. Re- there could be all kinds of research. No one really knows what's going on. There's a there's a tectonic shift in what's happening, and yet. Most of the money that's being made is still in the old 
version. And no the old live linear. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, and so everything's up in the air, but we're all you know trying to figure out how to stay in business. And there's plenty of business. And um, but I, I do think we're at a time where there's just so many things changing. Um, you got to keep your eye on the ball. What is the mood when you talk to people? I, I always think of stations or the retail level of television in the local markets. When you when you talk to people in local markets, especially outside of the you know top five markets, um, wh- what do you hear? Do you hear concern? Do you hear hand wringing about all of what we've been talking about, or do you feel like there's still that that there is still a, a, that people still feel very positive about broadcast television? I think the issue is they're all very challenged. Everybody's challenged. But the broadcast TV business operates at, depending on what group you're looking at, between you know a 35 and a 55 percent profit margin. So yes, they're all being squeezed because they're, most of these are owned by public companies. So if you're making a billion dollars and you're the XYZ, one of the big groups, you know your whole goal is to make a billion and fifty next year. So it's really hard to make the billion. And it's even harder in what is basically an amazing business, but relatively flat, slight growth. That extra 50 is really hard. That yeah, 5% is a killer. If you ask them what was the five-year plan on your business plan, revenue, most of them would tell you that it's at least flat. That they, made, they at least made it. Yeah, no, continue to be flat. They're not losing money every year. They're not going down. Not their profit, but that their revenue Mm -hmm. should be around flat. Like the and they 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 don't think it's going down. It it is soft. There's just so. Here's the other thing is that advertising. You know, with all these streaming services, you know, the advertiser needs places to go. So, uh, the the local TV station is still a great. You self. I mean, the reason people buy ads on the local TV stations—they've been around a long time now. These local TV stations. <laughs> the reason people are buying ads is it sells their product. Yeah. If like you, for our real. joke is, if you want to sell a Toyota on Saturday, there's a lot of things you can do. But if you want to actually pile, you know, eight thousand people in your local Toyota dealership, you're going to take some broadcast ads out because yeah. that's on what Thursday that's and on Friday. Thursday and Friday. No, that's right. And by the way, why do the why do the candidates spend so much money on the local TV? People they want their vote. They want their vote. Same and reason as Toyota. People are watching it, and, and you're reaching a person in a city. And, um, and again, I don't know how far tangent you want to go, but like, what's really happening here is, is that on a big-picture basis, we all have heard of cord cutting. Well, what, what's happened is, is that I don't know the year that it was the peak, but let's say that the, the top cable networks, it was probably maybe 10 years ago. If I had to get... I, I'm not looking at things, so... Call it ten years ago, they were probably all around a hundred million homes. Right, full distribution full seemed distribution, to be. It was about eight years ago, I believe. About a hundred million homes. Those now are about 80, eighty million, right? Head and dropping, heading to fifty. And so, when the cable network, if the the guy who had a hundred million homes has now eighty, dropping fast, probably in the seventies as we're speaking. Um, going to most of them think it's going to fifty. So what happens is m- those cable news, other than Fox News or CNN or ESPN, maybe if you're just the general Comedy Central, USA, TNT, whatever, they they can't get in front of more homes. There's no other option for them. So for the most part, when they're getting cord cut, they're losing. And yes, there's some services that are having skinny bundles. They're getting some of it back. But for the most part, 
their footprint's going from 100 going down to 50. Mm -hmm. So if you're on a TV station, there's good and bad news. The good news, the, 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 bad, the bad news is your cable universe is a little smaller because the cable operator has less subscribers. Right, and your and retrans you're, revenue you're will retrans drop now, commensurately. That. The good news is right now there's 22 million homes. People don't even, I can't believe people don't talk about this. There are 22 million homes in the United States that watch their television on an antenna. Old-fashioned, over-the-air, no, MV, no it MVPD. It now just sits in the back of the TV. It's right. really well, simple. It's, much, it's more like an Apple device. Like an but Apple it's, box but it's antenna. But when they say antenna, they also have... It's not like the old guy or the, you know, the guy, I hate TV, but I'll just do the antenna. It's the younger demographic, actually, that's the cord cutters. So they might be watching... There's two constituents of antennas. One is the older, and that's a bit of what we're thinking about when you think about who watches on antenna. But the majority of it are younger people, you know, 18 to 34, who are cord cutters, who say, I don't want to do a deal with, you know, Time Warner Cable or Cox Cable, whatever. I will do my antenna, and then I'm going to buy Netflix, I'm going to buy Apple, Hulu, um, and three other services. But, 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 and I'm going to create my own a la carte. But by the way, these, this is a growing business. And think about this. Your little Fox station gets a much higher rating in the antenna home than it ever did in the cable. Right. There's not a hundred hundred alternatives. Well, there's yeah. more than you think. Cause, and then, again, I don't, we don't want to get too far in the weeds, but, get to. but you obviously have the DigiNets. Right, so, the multicast channels. Like 35 that, or 40 right. channels. So if you stick your antenna up, you do have like 35 or 40 channels. But you don't have 150. Or, or 1,000 when you get a cable system. And, and, right. and really, the, some of the DigiNets are relatively entertaining and they're decent, but they're not as good. They're not spending the kind of money USA or TNT or Comedy Central were yet. So the product is older generally. Some of the movie prints are a little lacking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but my point is, so if you're a TV station, you're getting some of the people the cord cut are going to an antenna, not all of them. And then, but almost all of them that go to a skinny bundle get a broadcaster. So as we sit in the universe that we are right now, broadcast stations are still 99% covered in the United States where the cable networks are getting down to 50%. So if you're an advertiser, again, where are you going to go? Right. you got less places to go. Yes, there's, gonna, there's a lot of AVOD and things like that, but at the same time, networks are fully covered and stations are fully covered, and as the cable networks drop further, that spread gets even bigger between antennas, skinny bundling. I think the broadcast, broadcast business is not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, I think when you look at the upfronts, that's really the most illustrative of this point, because every year since I, I did my first presentation, I think it was like 1986, on how the networks were declining <laughs> and how could this affect demand. It's the same exact thing, you know, 34 years later, because what's happening, it's even more exacerbated today because of all these other things. So you have a decline in rating. It's not huge, but it's a slight, you know, the chip it keeps chipping away, but because the advertisers have to place that money, the increase in the cost per thousand or the cost per point locally is outpacing the decline in the available Or ratings. some years it matches. So net, so net, overall, if you look at 10 years, net, net, you're probably up a little bit as a broadcaster. Sometimes the, sometimes the networks are flat in revenue. But in general. Because their rating drops about the same. In general, increase. if you look at a 10-year trend, they're all up, as are the stations. If you look 10 years ago to today, there's blips, but 
you know, 2010, they're 2020. More, they're getting more for their commercials with a smaller rating, right? right? Or That's they're getting point. more per point, right? Right. So they're offsetting the decrease with a higher uh, higher cost per point, even though the ratings are lower. And the same thing with the syndicated shows. You know, are all of the shows are getting lower ratings than they used to get for the same reasons, but they're getting higher CPMs, which offsets some of that um, uh, default. Let's talk about let's talk about your company, Debmar Mercury, because I, I love your story. You guys came together. You both had long careers in syndication and in advertising. More, you worked for Disney. Ira, you worked for Reicher, and you worked in advertising for many years. And through the vagaries of of <coughs> you know consolidation and changes in the business, you guys both wound up. You had your own companies late '90s, early 2000s. You came together in 2003 for a specific project by Comedy Central to come in and help them monetize South Park, which was racking up episodes, had become an institution for them. But And somebody realized, hey, there might be a, yet another afterlife for this that could, come, mm-hmm. that could bring in a couple of bucks. Um, and you never intended to build Debmar into the, you know, the, to quite the shop that it is today. Well, we never actually did a business plan. That's <laughs> our sort of joke. Thank we, never, God. we never did a PowerPoint <laughs> And we never did any of those things. We just and we don't have MBAs, so we, we would have known how. We still don't. <laughs> we literally just, you know, it's the old fashioned, you know, how did you make all this money? Is it well, we bought stuff for a dollar and we sold it for two dollars? It's kind of a version of that. And on South Park, Mort was acquiring it, asked me to join him. I was actually at Lionsgate, head of Worldwide TV at that point, but I had Mercury because this was early days of Lionsgate. It wasn't the, you know, eight billion dollar company it was today. It was, you know, a few hundred million making some movies and some TV shows here and there. And I had started their international distribution. There wasn't even domestic. There wasn't a need for domestic. So I had kept Mercury as a separate company in my deal with them. And this was a couple years into it. And Mort approached me. And this just seemed like a fun thing to do. I was allowed to do it. I went back to John Feldheimer. And basically, it became so much more fun. I said, I'm, I'm going to quit because this is what I really want to do, but I'll take care of you. And I basically made an exit deal with him and hired my replacement and went off and partnered with Morton. And it was turned out to be a really smart thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a good time. I, I will tell just a really quick story. I told it at the Iris Awards, which was that, um, yes, we acquired South Park in 2003, but you've got to go back five years to get the actual story. It's pretty brief. But I'm working... At Disney, I'm president of Buena Vista Television. Running all, overseeing all syndication. Yeah, for Disney. This show called South Park comes on the air, and it's like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So I called Doug Herzog, who's the president of Comedy Central, and said, uh, I'll tell you what, if you get to 100 episodes, I'll pay you $20 million and um, have the syndication rights for Disney. We'll syndicate it in share the money with you, and we'll all make a bunch of money. And uh, Doug wanted to do the deal. and But he was much wiser than me. He re- realized I was a little rogue out there as the... I was president. I was the president of the division, but it is the Walt Disney Company. So he said, Mort, I, I respect you a lot, but honestly, I, need, I just need you to make sure it is the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> it is South Park. Can you at least ask your boss, if at the time was Steve Burke, <clears throat> if, Small world. If, if you can actually make this deal. Because here I am offering $20 million and I didn't even ask anybody. So I go, probably a good idea. So, <laughs> so I call Steve Burke. He hadn't seen it. I sent him a couple episodes. And a couple days later, I get a response from him saying, okay, that is the funniest show I've ever seen in my entire life. 
and there's not a 1% chance you're doing this for the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Five years later, they had yet to sell Comedy Central into syndication, and it was still available. So That's bad. And so... And so South Park is sold. It's a, it's a success. You mm-hmm. you and I remember at the time there was like, who's gonna buy this? It's on Comedy Central all day and night. Poor but kids who cl- swear. Clearly, yeah. We've kind of built the company on doing things that any sane person had said like, there's no chance. <laughs> Not that you wouldn't really succeed at it. You wouldn't even get on the air. Forget about it. I remember somebody who shall go nameless was like, you're not even, you're just not going to sell it. You're going to have to realize you're not going to sell it. And then when it looked like we got some traction, like, well, you might sell it, but you're never going to get cash. And then we started getting cash for it. And they said, well, you might get a little cash, but it's not going to be like a regular sitcom. You're going to get like a year or two. And so lo and behold, we sold it for five years, cash plus bar, the whole thing. And that's how the company was started. And then we get the next big thing <clears throat> was actually Tyler Perry. But wait, 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 stop, but stop in, there, in stop between, there. there must have been a point when you looked at each other and said, let's keep this going. No, but one of the things that's interesting on South Park was that, <coughs> so we're, in the deal, <clears throat> there was a clause that said if we don't do that well with it, they were actually nervous about it. So they were, Comedy we Central If was. we don't sell it so deep, they even wanted to buy it back because they were concerned it was going to hurt even though they wanted to do it, they were concerned. They kind of had both sides going. They were actually nervous. So it finally goes on the air. And at the t- so in 2003, Doug Herzog wasn't the president of Comedy Central. It was a, a man named Larry Divney. He was a great guy. Divney left, and by the time it aired in 2005, Doug Herzog was back <laughs> as president of Comedy Central again. Yeah. As the world turns at Viacom. And he calls up and he says, I'm really, really concerned that this is going to kill South Park. Are you, you really have to do this. Doug, we've sold it, 97% of the United States, 150 stations. Mm-hmm. It is done. It's going on there. <clears throat> he was really nervous about it. So that was like early September. It goes on the air. Six weeks later, we get a call from Doug. He goes, oh, my God, it's helping me. Mm-hmm. It's helping the ratings. Because I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't even know that it was on the air. And they're finding it in syndication, and they're watching the originals on Comedy Central. And so he goes, keep it going. So he didn't even realize it. So there you get back to the same thing with kind of what probably happened with Pop and Schitt's Creek, Mm -hmm. and we're hoping the same thing will happen with Schitt's Creek because still so many people haven't haven't discovered it yet. But that's what happened. So the broadcasters, they're running at the same time. They weren't hurting each other. They were actually helping each other. Mm-hmm. And is it still, because I, I know that it is going to HBO Max, so it's no longer in syndication. No, 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 no. Right. no. So, so for us, that had happened, and I know you're asking the other question, of like when did we decide we got to really do this? I, I, we kind of didn't. I still, you know, we, we were doing South Park. <laughs> the revolution and then, You and still then haven't committed, Ira? No. <laughs> we got revolution movies from <laughs> Joe Roth. We got revolution movies from Joe Roth, but the next big thing, I, we, we then decided, you know, well, Tyler Perry was coming up. But in between that and, and that time, that was a couple of years. So at this point, we're like, I'm selling stock and we're using savings and we're living. There's no money. I mean, you don't, you know, you sell a show, you don't get money for a couple of years later. So it was a classic small business. We then incorporate, we did join because we had to get the loan. So when we had all the receivables from South Park, we said, well, oh my God, we have, you know, call it, you know, 50, 60 million of cash receivables we can actually bank that and take out a loan to actually do this company. So I'll never forget being like, I'm in my car driving here, and Mort's in L.A., and the lawyer's on the phone, and they have to file the papers in order to be a company in order to then file for the loan. And the guy says, well, okay, I have a couple of questions. Like, 
first of all, what's the name of the company? <laughs> and we said, well, you know, we've talked about this. We agree on pretty much everything. We argue about everything, but we ultimately agree on everything. We can't agree on the name of the company. So he's Debmar, I'm Mercury. It's called Debmar Mercury. Everybody said, well, that's a silly name. Well, okay, but that's what it is. <laughs> Just write it down. Write it down for the paper. And then he says, and secondly, like, who are you guys? I said, well, we're partners. I said, no, 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 you need a title. I have to fill out this form. I said, well, it's just, we have this one show. I mean, Chairman's kind of pretentious. We're presidents, but we're both presidents, so we're co-presidents. So fine, we'll be co-presidents. What else you got? And that's no, how we filed the paper. We then go to get the loan. <laughs> and the bank says, it's really impressive. You got this. Just the two of you guys. This is really great. By the way, we're going to need your houses to give you the loan. <laughs> so we literally put our houses as collateral to get the loan, and then as we do working together, Mort's thinking, well, okay, now that our entire lives are on the line, not that they weren't before, but now they really are, what happens if the show doesn't go far? I said, well, Mort, there's like a hundred something episodes, they're in a vault. He goes, well, what if the vault goes on fire? <laughs> so we started looking into all that. Well, the vault Park's, never went on fire. No, South the show had sold. Own, it had its own set of problems. It had content issues that we, the stations <clears throat> were nervous about, and if something really bad happened, Maybe advertisers wouldn't be in it, you know. So all your projections could be wrong. It had a lot of it had hurdles in its way. We, you know, I, th- I think we did a really good job. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 put a we had um, we created a board from stations who bought it and ran the edits by them. So when we had episodes that we were trying to clean up a little bit, um, we'd say, "What about this scene? What about that scene?" And they would say, "I can live with that. I can't live with that." We had we had FCC attorneys. Um, so we really, really went out of our way because the stations understood what they were buying. They really liked the idea of it, but they also were concerned about it because it, it is, they're pretty rough. Mm-hmm. They're pretty rough. It sounds like all this based on your years of knowledge of mm-hmm. what your customer would want, what kind of TLC they would want in a yeah. situation where they were, might be some concerns. By the way, it did two things. It made them more vested in the show, but it also um, allowed us to, with confidence to know that we were editing it the way that our clients needed it. At the end of the day, by the way, we had 150 episodes. I think we only three. We only lost three. We couldn't air the sh- one. The one my, our favorite, the shit, shit. episode. <laughs> say shit 157 yeah. times in the episode. Right. So. You, you wouldn't have been and, able to edit that. No, <laughs> no that wouldn't work. Have you ever seen the shit episode yeah. where they have a counter? Yeah. 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 So, so that, anyway. that's definitely the next evolution in the company. The biggest thing was being in business with Tyler. And this is now a year and a half later. And Tyler had come to us through Mark Hickin and Wayne Morris because he was frustrated, as we talked about earlier, with the, with the creative process. He was, that in, was in that process in of, that trying, process to of, CBS, of to trying to sell shows. Yes, trying to sell shows. And could you put a blonde girl next door and you could make his best friend a little redheaded boy? And uh, <laughs> he's just like, I'm not doing that. If I fail, I want to fail my way. So long story short, we, we got in business with Tyler. We fund all the marketing. We're still writing our own you know, personal checks to Nielsen kind of thing, which is a painful thing to do. And we now have the Tyler shows. And we're, we're sitting there, and we have the classic small business, because this is now 06. We've been in business three years. We have a, we have a you know, call it a $5, 6000000 million line. We've paid half of it down because the cash flow is coming in. And yet we're looking at the projection saying, you know, in six months, we're going to be out of money, even though we have way more money coming in down the line. And so that's when we decide we got to do something. And then we looked at more new Michael Eisner. We talked to him. We talked to a lot of other people about selling and then ultimately worked it out with Lionsgate. Lionsgate sold, came in. sold 70% of the company to Lionsgate. And in that's six. been 14 years now. Yeah. And we've done three deals with Lionsgate. Because mm-hmm. each time you do a deal, you do an employment agreement, 
that agreement comes to an end, and basically we've re-upped re three times, and they've been great partners. Mm -hmm. And clearly you have reached the finish each other's sentences stage. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Happened a while ago. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Is there a certain yin and yang as, or do, I mean, I get the sense you're both very analytical, but is there like, is there a division of labor at all, or do you kind of both do do a little bit of everything He's and He's a little confer? more sales. He's a little more sales than me, but for the most part, we just, any big decision, we're just, we just, we just basically role play it out. Mm -hmm. We make the decision quickly, but we don't always look at it the same way, obviously, mm -hmm. and, but we try to, it's rare that we really, really, really can't come to the same place. It's well, been pretty good. That's it's, pretty good. Well, it's a great business success story, entrepreneurial success story, and uh, you know, be be very interested to see what we what is to come this fall from Nick Cannon and Central Avenue. And thank you so much for taking the time to sit and talk with us about the business. Thank, thank you. you. And, and by the way, by the way, I will say, you know, a lot of people think that you know the TV business is mature, and, and, and it is, but we're still bullish on it. We still think there's a real business out there. And, and your end of the distribution is where the rubber meets the road for monetization. So Hopefully. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.